I just can't figure out if it's because you're advanced or because I'm stunted. You take the red pill. You stay in wonder. I am McLovin. You do not talk about Fight Club. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the Glass A Film Club podcast. Yes, here we are. It's the summer season, the heat is up, but the films are still rolling in and we're excited to dive into them. And when we say we, of course, I mean my good friend, film lover, man about town, the big reviewer himself. It's Callum. He's back. We're back for the summer season. How are you doing, Callum? Very well. I'm good. Yeah. Um... I'm glad it's the summer. Um, it's uh, yeah, currently sat in a vest. Um, That's what we like. No, that is, that is rock and roll. It like, is. You're going to become like the punk film reviewer. Well, I've got. I've, I feel like I'd like to think I've got the hair for it now. Yeah, someone um, needs to fill that void, don't they? Because I think Mark Kermode's, you know, bit had the kind of edgy look for a while now, but he's been on the scene for a long time. You need to get in there as the the young punk film reviewer. I should uh, I should think of a catchy name for myself, like rather than just Callum. Like actually think of like a uh, some something punk related. Yeah, um, Let, let's get some people sending some suggestions in. Get those over to us on Instagram. What should Callum's punky film critic name be? There's definitely something that I think we can find to fit you perfectly. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. I can't think of, I can't think of one of hand. Life is um yeah, life's okay actually. Yeah. Summer is, in the city. Yeah, life's okay. Um lots of uh I spent sixty pounds on books the other week. Nice. Um and read half a book in a in a park. In a park in the <laughs> in the sun. <laughs> I don't know why. I said, Absolutely I know. having it in the park. In the park, reading a book in the park. Um, yeah, an ad back. <laughs> <laughs> um, in Bloomsbury. Uh, Do this all day. Yeah, we actually could. Yeah, um, yeah, it was good. Read, read, read a book in a park in Bloomsbury. Uh, I just love being in the sun. To be honest, it's just been quite nice. Um, for it not to be, you know, raining and this, the, you know, I can feel the summer heat in my veins. Um, it's a nice feeling. Yeah, it's like you know, yes, yeah, I can feel the summer heat in my veins, roaring down the train, roaring down something on a nighttime train. It was Ryan Adams' lyric. I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> what um, films get you feeling summery? There's a question because the thing with film, isn't it? You're there watching it indoors, and you think maybe summer's not the season for it. But there's some huge releases this summer, and also there is you do relate some kind of those late night film watching experience in the hot air together um, with the summer. Yeah, uh, cheaper by the dozen. Um, <laughs> I did not expect that. <laughs> cheaper by the dozen. Wow. <laughs> I thought you were gonna come out with some like uh, arty, like coming of age film. American Pie. There you go. Um, that is a summer movie. American Pie is a summer movie. Um, so is Cheaper by the Dozen. I, I, you know what? Underrated movie, Cheaper by the Dozen. I watched that when I was a. I watched it when I was a kid. I watched it again recently. I watched that, and I watched Homeward Bound, Lost in San Francisco. Have you okay. seen that about the dogs and? I've the, not. The, no, I've the, not. The, 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 the two dogs and the cat, and they're lost in San Francisco. It's the sequel. Um, the sequel's better than the first, which isn't usually the case. Uh, but yeah, Lost in San Francisco, Homeward Bound, um, absolutely great. 
Yeah, set in a sun-drenched San Francisco. Love it. Love but yeah, it's it's cheaper by the dozen, uh, lost in San Francisco, homeward bound. Um, I think there's something quite adolescent about the summer in some respects. Like, I yeah. just remember when I was a kid, just like endless summers, like on the beach in Blackpool or like on your bike, like cycling up and down uh, the Fylde Coast. I feel like uh, in introducing a, a novel, like... It's like, oh, the summer breeze in the air. It's just like a really, really bad, like, intro to a really, really bad period novel or something. Um, you know, and then, you know, some sort of scantily clad, flowing, long-haired Englishman, like, sweeps sweeps across the, the seafront in a, in, a, in a summer breeze. You can um, write that one day. I'm talking shy, to be honest. Um, but yeah, the... Uh, there's something adolescent about the summer, I think. Yeah. You know, the sort of like the, the summer and the heat, and I don't know. I always associate the summer with childhood. Um, I don't know why. I just do. And you there's know, an optimism to it. There is, which is rare for me. Um, so, like, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's nice that you can embrace optimism every now and again. So yeah. So that's um, yeah. There's always something quite adolescent about the summer. Yeah, what about you? Absolutely. What's your what's your summer movies? I well, I go towards, and this is why I was expecting it more kind of coming of age indie mm. films, things like well, one of our favourites, uh, Perks of Being a Wallflower. I'm yeah, not, nice. It's not necessarily yeah. set in the summer, but things like that. Um, Adventureland, what, Adventureland, Five Hundred Days of Summer. That's literally got summer in it, mm. but like that genre of indie coming of age romance style film. That's I think the type of stuff. I think the chief about the dozen has derailed you, hasn't it? It really <laughs> has. Like I could have sat here and named a thousand films. I thought you were going to say. I don't think you've got anywhere near cheaper by the dozen. I mean, it's terrible, but it's funny. <laughs> it's good fun. But segue, and here we yeah. go. Segue to get us back on track here. Today's film is in a very hot setting. It's, it is, yeah. Um, a room with a lot of men in getting very warm and agitated and that's the most i'll say before throwing it over to you callum as obviously we all know by now you have the gift of the gab when it comes to intro in these films so i would add to that that we've gone back to a classic to kick us off in the summer season but callum what classic have we gone to please can you share with the audience uh life is in their hands death is on their minds it explodes like 12 sticks of dynamite that is what the uh the film poster says it's 12 angry men um uh directed by sydney lumet or is it lumet i don't know lumet sounds more so fancy doesn't it or lumet and the screenplay is by reginald rose so 12 angry men i'd never seen this film before and i'd heard about it um and it seemed like right up my street really uh it's a it was made in 1957 um set in a in the sorry, the New York County Courthouse. Basically, a jury is assembled to try and determine uh, the guilt of a teenager who has been charged with stabbing his father to death. Uh, well, stabbing his abusive father to death, I should say, because that's quite an important um, point that the film is trying to make, actually. Um, so the vast majority of the jury are um, convinced that the child, that the kid is guilty, and... Um, the judge has instructed the jury um, to basically, if there is any reasonable doubt, they are to return you know, the verdict of guilty or not guilty. And if the kid is found guilty, he is to be sent to the electric chair. 
and the verdict has to be unanimous. So it's kind of set in this sort of really hot um, room uh, in uh, sort of like the third or fourth floor. I feel like it's the third or fourth floor of, of the courthouse. And basically it's a film about morality and who decides um, who lives and, and who dies, really. Um, I think it's a comment on masculinity. It's a comment on... Um, a the construction of a democratic legal system to an extent um again as always said this many times the library of congress believe it to be culturally historically or aesthetically significant it can never really make its mind upon which one it is it's always one or the other it's either culturally historically or aesthetically significant it can never be kind of jingle for when um, the library of congress pop up yeah we do don't we um it's never it's never one is it it's it's always it's never all three it's always just one of them, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's um, it's a it's a it's a blooming good film. It's beautifully written, um, and it basically charts the sort of decision making process of these men trying to decide whether someone's guilty or not, and it calls into question acts of morality, um, and emotion, and who decides the 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 life of of an individual. Um, there's a lot of sort of like uh, I guess. Uh, hypocrisies within the script, but we'll come on to that when we, when we when we discuss it. But yeah, it's I think it's I, mean, I think it's more of a comment on the, on the uh, the the legal system, if anything else. Um, but yeah, a classic from nineteen fifty seven. Beautifully. Thank written. you very much. Thank be- you very much, yeah. Callum. And straight away after watching it, I thought it was spot on. We've watched and reviewed quite a few films from this era now, the golden age of cinema. We've watched. It's a Wonderful Life, Roman Holiday, Citizen Kane, and loved all of them. And this, adding to that, has made me realise that these films from the golden age of cinema just resonate. There's a reason why the <laughs> the Library of Congress <laughs> rates them so highly, because they are significant. And what I think the significance is, is straight away the writing because all of them find a theme that really cuts through. The simplicity to the execution, the simplicity to the, the script, but they all find a really cutting way of developing a gripping story and something that comes through at the end that makes you really think and feel like you're left with something. And I think 12 Angry Men was an amazing example of that. I've spoke before how... I love a film that's in one location, and Breakfast Club's one of my favourites in one location, being a more modern take on that approach. But this being an absolute classic, really in one location, I mean, it flips, flicks very quickly into the toilets and into the courtroom briefly, but the main location of the whole is the, the jury deliberation room. And to create a script where it is 12 characters just discussing and talking about this court case and for it to resonate and be so impactful and so gripping I think is an unbelievable achievement and anyone who can do that I think it's an absolute art form and it's delivered so well you watch this film as you say released in the 1950s and it's so it still resonates so strongly because it cuts through to something that's at the core of the human condition. And we'll get onto those elements and ones that you've mentioned. But this is why I think the golden age of cinema is so powerful because they're picking classic, big human questions and 
approaching them in real raw ways without any gimmicks without any cliches this doesn't feel forced at any point it feels very believable it feels real and not just the story feeling real the story in the plot is kind of could be a whole host of anything they could have done that in so many different ways but it's the conversation that people have and that's what resonates and uh, let's dive into this in a minute as you say it explores the themes of masculinity it explores what democracy and the legal system is what does justice mean in a democracy a big deliberation in that era in the 50s just after the second world war obviously it's a big topic in a lot of people's minds and it leaves you with questions and answers for these big philosophical uh, points but such a gripping story and i think that was regardless of the bigger points an absolute win of the film that from start to end i was in i was absolutely enthralled by it and i thought it was fantastic what about you what was your initial thought after watching it yeah i mean i couldn't i i couldn't take my my eyes off it it was just it was so beautifully crafted um and written superbly i mean there's so many themes about masculinity and as when you were saying um just then just then about when it was made in the 50s um i hadn't sort of drawn the connection between this and mccarthyism um and the fear of of communism in hollywood um and one thing that i think this film is is doing is really it's it's critiquing um a feeling that, that in america at that time of people sort of essentializing another group of people um because there's a lot of essentialism going on in this film um and it's focused around masculinity and it's focused around the nation like the whole thing is basically who owns life who who is responsible for determining whether someone lives or dies and in this instance it's 12 men um and there's something there's something there about how the nation state is a masculine construct or at least the legal system is a masculine construct um you know the jury is considered to be widely the pillar of a modern legal system and when you've the, you know we 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 sell to, we say to ourselves that the, the jury is the most um humane um most fair decision that one can make about the guilt or innocence of another person but when it's contrasted with the barbarity of the death penalty um it it it, it complicates that 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 vision that the jury is somewhat a humane system that the legal system is a humane thing and it complicates that concept by juxtaposing um the emotion of these 12 individuals with the the absence of of, of the person who's on trial i mean the only shot that you see of the person on trial is just one fading shot in the in the opening scene of the of the of the film and that's the only shot that you see of this absent individual you know um and i just think it's really beautifully constructed in that respect and i think it's making a comment on how the state makes a judgment on one's life and it i think on the one hand it can it calls into question the integrity of that system but it also advocates the need for the system as well because Henry Fonda's character is the voice of reason and he's able to eloquently um, convince the rest of the jury that there is reasonable doubt that this young lad killed his father um, and 
that challenge is the is the thing that adds a morality to the system. So I think on the one hand, it's challenging the system and saying that the American system, the American political system, and the the, the legal system is flawed. Um, uh, and you know, however, it's at the same time it's saying that there is still a need for it in order to fix a flawed system. You need to work from within it. And I think when I was thinking about sort of the, this film and how it got written and. You know, in the context of McCarthyism, you know, any any film at that time that that criticised the nation state was a re- immediately thrown out and was never really um, taken seriously. I mean, you know, famously, you know, Ayn Rand and John Wayne and all sort of big Hollywood sort of industry titans were quite were responsible for for silencing a lot of a lot of art during that time period and. To have a, I think to have a film that sort of says, look, on the one hand, the system is flawed, but on the other hand, there is a need for it. Um, it must have been quite a refreshing thing to hear in the context of the time. Um, yeah, I just thought it was brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. And from what you said there about morality, I think that is one of the core themes within this film. And as you say, the context of the time, as our good friend Simon Sharma shared with us in his documentary, is that there was a big witch hunt for so-called communist filmmakers at this time, and most famously Charlie Chaplin getting driven out of Hollywood. And the, the historical interpretation of this now is that it was through that fear of communism in America at that time, and any film which was slightly left-leaning or, as you say, criticised, to criticizing the state or anything with that progressive lean that was slightly anti-capitalist or anti-full American, all-out American dream was labeled as, as communist. But I think a lot of films, as I said, in this era followed that theme of a progressive outlook that contains a a deep-seated critique of the system that they're within. And what I was thinking as you were saying that about the critique of the legal system is I, what I think it's saying is look how where we think the legal system and the jury is this ultimate way of dispensing justice, but look how flawed it can be by people with prejudices or people who are something to throw away as somebody wants to go home i think he's going to go to the baseball match does he mm-hmm. and he's like oh yeah let's just send this uh give this guy the death sentence so i can get out of here there's the criticism and i think on a wider point that's saying this is how our system can be exploited and still covered up by this idea of democracy and justice but the flip is and as you say the point of the main character then talking everyone round through rational thought and through discussion and making his points is then also saying, look, the system can be exploited, but the system still works. It's integral when utilised in the right way. And I think this is the core of a lot of these films is saying society, and they're all set in America, so obviously they've got a very American focus on them, but they're saying... At the core of American society, there is this liberty, there's this belief in freedom and progressiveness. However, this often gets hijacked by people using it in non-progressive ways, but hiding under the flag, hiding under the names of these systems. And what a 
what a point that resonates so strongly these days. It always has resonated, but we, we don't even have to say how much that resonates now. And this is why I think these thing, films are so powerful, because they cut true to something that's core within the societies that we live and go back and forth in the ideas. And as I say, the as we look at the characters in there, there's prejudice within them all at the beginning. And one of the main ones is being most of them, the vast majority say guilty at the beginning and when we try unpick why it's um one of the main reasons that people are saying oh he must be guilty he's from a, a poor neighborhood or there's a suggestion yeah. that he was an immigrant or there was he was from a, a certain group a certain area that's in a lot of people's mind and one the one character that they finally have to grind down the last one standing that's the argument he keeps making and what a powerful ending where he finally folds Mm. And it's all about his son and that relationship and, as you say, the masculine element and dynamic there. But a lot of the reasons are throwaway and are things that we don't necessarily think are big. And, and that's when discrimination, the discussion of discrimination is, oh, with people just have small, lazy stereotypes, but they don't act on them. Well, does that matter? And this is kind of saying, yes, because those things build up to bigger effects like this. These were small stereotypes that people keep in the mind, but it was ultimately leading them sent to sending an 18-year-old lad um, to his death because they thought, oh, yeah, well, he must have done something. And I think it just hits the nail on the head in so many of these areas. And I think on the area of morality, it's spot on for both critiquing the system but exploring those deep prejudices and ideas that are with all of us and how we wrangle them all when you said about masculinity what was your main thinking in that how do you think the the film explores that and uses it within those frameworks to make bigger points well i think um i mean it, it sits when you were saying that was listening to you it talks about the sort of this film sits within the tapestry of of you know wider art of the 20th century in the sense that like the masculinity on display here is very similar to the masculinity that you know Norman Mailer writes about um, this sort of like indefensibility almost this idea that admitting that you're wrong is seen as some form of weakness um, yeah. and you know there's it, it, been several pieces of art and literature and it continues to this day really you know this inability for I think it's almost like a sort of uniquely masculine sort of kind of construct as well this inability to admit that you're wrong or this inability to back down um when you're wrong and it's the sort of the worst form of toxic masculinity I think um but that's why the, that the final 10-15 minutes of the film when the main sort of the uh the boisterous um the most loud-mouthed uh, guy in the room is fi finally broken down into a state of tears. The thing that breaks him down is voice and reason, um, because he, he he can't come to terms with the fact that him and his son don't have a relationship as what was expected of the fifties. It's it's um it's almost saying that men are are victims of their own hubris and the nation's hubris. Um, in some respects, because there is a profound sense of hubris at play throughout this film. I mean, on the one hand, you've got some weak-minded men who just want to leave and go to their baseball game and quite flippantly are willing to change their minds um, so easily. It's like, oh, well, I think he's innocent now because that's what everyone else thinks. Oh, well, I think I... But they were quite happy to allow him to be executed. 
Um, but there's yeah, there's like a feeble mindedness masculinity as well, and that that it fuels the decision making process, particularly at, particularly at a time when um, you know men were the ones that in inverted commas made the decisions. And it's Chris saying to the fact, well, actually, they can't make a decision because they're, you know, they're victims of of the of the nation's hubris in some respects. But I think another thing about masculinity as well is for the names, as well, yep. they're identified not by their names but through their emotion, mm-hmm. which is why I was talking about this inability to admit that you're wrong and this inability to back down. Um, you know, all these people, all these men, sorry, are meant to be impartial. And the name of the men isn't important because by virtue of their gender, they are, um, you know, capable of making such a profound decision. And actually, when when you know when when they when it's all laid bare, they 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 they, they aren't. Um, and it's the emotion that matters in the halls of justice, rather than the name. Because um, obviously the just the jury is supposed to be impartial. They're not supposed to know who one is in case it influ- negatively influences the jury. But of course, the irony of that is the fact that they're all men um, is automatically the jury is skewed um, with regards to uh, to our opinion. So I think what the I think actually the writer is making a a wider point actually on how on how masculinity is, uh, corrupts the the justice system in some respects. But of course, saying that though, actually, no, that's probably a bit too hyperbolic. Saying that, it it is a man that then is the voice of reason. Um, I don't know. I think I feel like there's partly a critique of the idea that it's just men in there. I don't think it's. I don't feel like it's the overriding theme, but I do feel tacked into. And like a critique or maybe exploration of the system there's the idea of like visually showing look there's 12 men here the fact mm. that they choose to call the film 12 angry men is making a bit of a point of when it's put in front of you this is what justice is this is how we dispense justice in this country is this the best way of doing it Mm, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, and it it does it calls into question that. And like I said, you know, earlier the the decision making process that's you know contrasted with the barbarity of the death penalty, I think, is also quite significant. Um, the and and of course the even the even the even the attire of of the men and their character sort of like disintegrates as as the film goes yeah, on. They all yeah. they all rock up sort of like all very clean cut and. Um, you know, sharp, sharply dressed and um, prepared to make a decision um, as, as, as as such, I suppose. But then as the film goes on, they become increasingly more erratic. They sweat, they they undo their top buttons, you know, you can visibly see the sweat dripping off their faces and their clothes are damp with the stress and the tr- of the situation. Um, so, you know, the even even the jury, the jury itself begins to sort of crumble under its own weight in some respects it's saying something i think it's saying something quite profound about the nature of justice actually and the um the responsibility that is bestowed on on a very on a minority for making such a huge decision on on one person's life is is um incredibly incredibly profound um you know and i think uh it's i think it's making a wider comment about um, the need for a a system 
I mean, on the one hand, it's like kind of saying that, like, look at the, this is the basis of a, we are the basis of a civilized society. But actually, when it, when push comes to shove, it's like it's just as barbaric as the knife that's you know in in the table, you know. Yeah. Yes. Because um, there's that real rawness. To yeah. It as well, exactly. It? Yeah. It really is. But yeah. what I think it comes down to is one of the main balances that it's showing is that, and the word you used before was reason or reasoning. The suggestion is that reason wins out over raw force or raw masculinity violence really violence yeah violence okay yeah. yeah that's a better framing because when it does get heated like that or the even the guys who earlier on seem to be the more overtly masculine ones get talked round from the discussion through the the rationale for the the reasoning of the argument and i think that's another thread through it there's definitely a focus on and as i said before looking at the system and saying look the system allows overt violence to drive it or it allows reason to drive it and this film is saying reason is the purest best way most well beautiful because it is quite artistic how it does it but this is the way to actually run a society and to dispense justice by reason rather than the instinctive violent way and i think like i said that message runs through history is very um present in Mm. the modern day and again that's why it's so powerful and i think there's definitely an agenda from the filmmaker and i love that and going back to what i was saying about this era of film it's so powerful because the script has so much intent and, and craft behind it. And we've not even mentioned the performances. I think that it's beautiful to see almost this play act out of mm. the characters and them all take on these specific roles. I just thought it was a beautiful experience all round to consume this wonderfully crafted script, but also be absolutely gripped by just over, I think, an hour and a half of of film and all the way of it just in this one location be absolutely in with every bit of it and as you said to me before we started rolling Callum it feels every twist and turn in it feels both believable and powerful but not necessarily predictable you feel like you can get the momentum of where the film's going but it's clever how it's all pieced together in the in the legal um way there's there's a lot of thought and craft put into it and i thought that was fantastic yeah we're gonna have to wrap up here callum yes um, we are. but this has been yeah. a wonderful chat and i feel like again these classic films also always bring out some great discussions as there's a lot to chat about there but could you give us in a, a very legal format could you give us your closing statements please and then your verdicts i feel like i should uh stand up and hold, have one hand on my collar as yeah, I, if uh, you wish um, if you wish um yeah no i just I mean, it's superb it's superbly written it's superbly shot um you know it's it's it, it really is um a really intelligent film about morality and i'm going to give it 10 out of 10 there's nothing more to say. I've said what I need to. I've said everything that I want to say, and that and that that that's the closing statement. There you go. That was Thank the quickest quickest summary ever. He says, keep, like it. As says as he, as he keeps talking. But yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much, Callan. Yeah, absolutely. 
as I said, a one location film I love, and this is an unbelievable example of it. Amazing craft has gone into the writing of it, a beautifully executed film, and another great example of how the golden age of cinema is really the golden age. I am very excited to watch it again and now really want to watch more films from this era. 10 out of 10. I completely agree, Callum. What an amazing film. And there we have it. That was our review of 12 Angry Men. What a way to roll into the summer season with our first review of that. And there's plenty more to come. As we mentioned before, there's some big releases this summer and we won't be shying away from the big releases in the cinema. But as always, we'll be going back to a few classics through different ones and we've got plenty of big conversation episodes this series as you had already seen there's one been released already check that out but been away chatting to loads of different people creatives people in the industry film tv video sharing insights me jabbering on but mainly other people sharing their thoughts and feelings which i'm sure you'll all enjoy but that's next time that was the latest episode. Thank you, Callum, for joining. And another 20 out of 20 all round. We don't get them all that often, mm. but we've both given 10s out of 10. So I hope there's some agreement there with the audience because that was an amazing film that both resonated with all of us. As always, please come and follow us on Instagram. We're sharing out behind the scenes. Shorts will be letting you know when the latest reviews are out and we like having a chat so share your thoughts and feelings with us we're at the glass a film club of course we're on apple podcasts and spotify please give us a review spotify now are open to reviews so we need to build up our reviews on spotify as we do on apple so we'd be very grateful if you dropped us a five star tell your friends work colleagues people on the street public transport put a little post-it note sign in your window saying the name of our podcast just encourage people because we're a community here we want people to share great films with us and that's what we'll keep on doing but until next time keep watching films keep sending your requests suggestions in and love we love a lot of film love but until next time we'll see you all later bye bye